What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Locked On Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. Getting kind of sick, I'm not going to lie, of doing this show uh, after losses. It was fun to start the year doing the show here, getting the podcast rolling this season when they were, you know, playing pretty well. Like, they were first place in the NHL for the second year in a row, about a month into the season. But here we go again, a recent losing skid, and they've lost, Sabres have lost four in a row. They're now 17, 17, and 7 on the season, 41 points, 5 points out of a playoff spot, which is currently held by Tampa Bay for third place in the division. And even that's a little faulty because the Sabres have played three more games in Tampa, and they are now 8 points out of a wildcard spot, which is currently held by the Philadelphia Flyers. We will break down a little bit some of the goals that happened against the Sabres in the recent comeback by the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll also go through some of these uh, trade rumors. We got another Buffalo Sabre that wants out, and I don't blame him. I wouldn't blame any Sabre for really wanting out at this point. Um, So we'll get into kind of the state of the team and all of that uh, as we progress as well. And also the criticism around Jason Bottrell, and we spent a lot of time on that in my last episode, but... But it's not hard to not point the finger uh, at that guy uh, right now, the Sabres GM, for what's going on with the uh, the lack of moves that we've seen in the past 12 months with this team. So we'll get into all that up ahead. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Sabres. You can follow me on Twitter at Lock at uh, Sneaky Joe WGR. So starting with the comeback that Tampa Bay had against the Sabres the other night, um, I'm. I've been doing this segment, Whose Fault Was It, for the past week or so, and I've been enjoying it, kind of doing like a film breakdown of these goals, and I'm just going to really do the Tampa goals that um, led to the comeback. The Sabres up 4-1 to one in this game. Now, the Eichel goal is absolutely amazing, and it makes it even more frustrating to stomach that loss because you just cannot squander games when you get goals like that. Jack Eichel's playing at a heart level, a heart trophy level. It's like it doesn't matter. Like, what must he be feeling right now? It's like his game has taken a big step. He's gone from about a point a game player to now he is in the MVP consideration. He's hovering around 100 points uh, pace-wise of what he could finish in at the end of the year. In fact, he's higher than that. And it's like it doesn't matter. They're right back in the same spot, and despite the fact that Eichel's doing all he can and he's become a better offensive player, it still doesn't matter. The Sabres are in the same place that they always are in the standings, which is near the bottom as they're fourth from the bottom in the Eastern Conference. That goal against Tampa, the toe drag around the defenseman, cut it to the middle, and not only the toe drag to the middle, but the moment he picks the puck back up in the slot... He's completely balanced, and that's just how good of a skater Jack Eichel is because a lot of guys will puck will toe drag to the middle, and they'll be off kilter just a little bit, and sometimes that can make it tough for them to lift the puck off their backhand and get it into the net. But Eichel is so skilled, and he's such a good skater that he's so stable once he gets the puck that he's able to wait out the goaltender, and he makes it look easy, so... Michael's making a lot of plays look easy this season, and even though the Sabres are not good, it's hard to make the argument that he will win the Hart Trophy if the Sabres don't make the playoffs, and it looks like they will not, but I'll still be here to tell you that he should win the Hart Trophy, considering the level he is playing at right now. Um, so let's go through these couple of goals that Tampa scored that were just I'm assigning some blame to them, and the same old issues are happening with the Sabres, and they just got run over by Tampa. The defense fell apart. They were on their heels for a lot of the game, and Tampa just pushes, pushes, pushes with their speed, and eventually the Sabres were going to crack, and they did. So the Tampa Bay second goal that made it 4-2. to 
This is 50% on Ristolainen, and this is 50% on Scandella. This is the shorthanded goal that is scored, and Risto comes over to help, but he doesn't tie up Braden Point, the ultimate goal scorer, for Tampa Bay. So Risto, even though his assignment is actually to stop the pass from going to the wing across the ice, he comes over to help, and once he makes that decision decision to come over, you got to tie up the ban. Otherwise, there's no point of coming over. There's no point of helping. So, Ristolainen gets 50% of the blame here, and then Scandella just gets caught in a spin cycle. You can't let that pass from behind the net into the slot through. That's your main responsibility as a defenseman on that spot in the penalty kill. You can't let the guy behind the net get a pass through you into the slot with the highest danger scoring chance on a power play. And Scandella lets it through, and he really wasn't even all that close. He was almost reliant on Ristolainen to come over and help him out in that spot. So Scandella gets 50% of the blame for the Tampa second goal. Ristolainen gets 50% of the blame for the Tampa Bay second goal. Tampa's third goal by Tyler Johnson, just roaring up the ice, get, catches it in neutral zone, and he was off to the races. This is 100% on Henry Yokiharu. I've been very high on Yokiharu this season, but it's a bad moment for the rookie here. He just gets caught way too low, uh, or way too high, I should say, um, in where he is on the ice. He's hovering around the red line, and he should have been like 10 feet further back because he's not moving all that fast, and there's just no way he was ever going to be able to turn his hips quick enough and catch up with Tyler Johnson. And he doesn't see Johnson roaring with speed until it's just way too late. He got caught puck watching, really, in that moment. And by the time that he uh, figured out what was about to happen, way too late for the young defenseman. There are very few players in this league, if any, that are able to uh, to keep up, to, to recover there, to catch up with Tyler Johnson um, once you get caught like that, like Yoki Haru did. So 100% of the blame to Yoki Haru on the, Sabre, on the Tampa Bay third goal. The Tampa Bay fourth goal, the tire. Here's Alex Kalorn. Just how do you, how does this happen? Screen. There's a screenshot where four Sabers are all on one side, outside the faceoff circle. How does that happen? How do you get to a point where you've got five guys on the ice and four of them not only are on the same side, but they are on the same side, out? They're so far outside that they're outside the faceoff circle. I mean, that's just awful. And actually, I'm sorry, it wasn't Kalorn. Kalorn scores the, the game-winning goal. Kevin Shattenkirk gets the shot where he comes in from the point. But there's a screenshot where Marcus Johansson is the only player from the left face-off circle to the rest of the zone. Like, it's, he's the only guy. And he goes down to block the shot. He gets a piece of it with his ankle, and it floats by Linus Olmark. That's a little bit unlucky by Johansson. I'm not going to assign any blame to him. Not Olmark either. Again, unluck- unlucky once the shot gets taken that it gets in. But... But 25% to Risto, 25% to McCabe, and the same goes for Rasmus Asplund and Curtis Lazar. Those are four guys that are all on this team to play defensive roles, and they all did an awful job in that situation in the Tampa tying goal. And then the Tampa fifth goal to take the lead, it's just Darlene, 100% Rasmus Darlene. He just loses his man. He loses Alex Kalorn. That's just unacceptable. Everyone else has their men. Everyone else is tied up. Everyone else is covering the guy they should be covering. And Darlene just loses Kalorn in the net front. And not only does he lose him in the net front, but he doesn't do a good job at all recovering. And Kalorn is able to get a shot off right in front of Lena Solmark, uninhibited. And that really made it easy for him, I think, to put it in the back of the net. So you, when you're playing a team like Tampa Bay, with all the skill they have, you can't do that. And it was just an awful job by Darlene on that certain goal. He's been playing a lot better in the past couple of weeks, I think, since he was uh, kind of a storyline early in the season, not playing so well. But in this moment, Darlene, uh, rookie mistake for uh, for the kid in his second year. 
All right, when we come back, we will break down Sabres and Oilers a little bit, but first uh, a look into some of these players that are requesting a trade from the Buffalo Sabres and what we might get from Jason Bottrell coming up. It is the Locked On Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. More after this. Welcome back to the Locked On Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. So a couple of weeks ago, we had a... Um, we had a report that from Darren Dreger that Sabres defenseman Zach Bogosian had requested a trade. This came on the heels of his being healthy scratched. And to me, that was not surprising in the least um, because really, this guy's just not good. Zach Bogosian is not a good defenseman. He should not be in the NHL anymore. Um, and to me, it was kind of crazy that he requested a trade a couple of weeks ago. It's not like the Sabres wouldn't want to trade him. There's just no way he has enough value to get that done. And of course, at this point, it has not been done. And I don't think it's coming because I don't think anybody's going to want to trade anything for that contract with Zach Bogosian, albeit with one year left. So Bogosian wants out. And then Darren Dreger reports on the 31st, so a couple of days ago, that now Evan Rodriguez also has made his interest in a trade known and that his name has been out there for a while. And then Rodriguez was asked about this in the locker room and he did not deny it. He did not deny that he wants a fresh start. He said that he wants to play. And I got to be honest, this one makes more sense to me. I understand what uh, why, Zach, why Evan Rodriguez would possibly want out. He didn't get what he was looking for, um, it appears, in the uh, in the arbitration hearing in the offseason. Remember, Rodriguez goes to arbitration. He requested something like, I think, $4 million. I don't have the exact number uh, right here, but he, I think, requested $4 million a year, and he ends up getting two. So he gets half of what he was looking for on a short-term deal, one-year contract, and he'll be an RFA at the end of the season at age 27. Um, and the guy is not getting that much of an opportunity to play in a role that will make him successful right now. And I don't think it's all about the coaching and how he's been used, but I do think that there is something to be said for the fact that last year, uh, Rodriguez was used some power play time. He was playing more than five minutes more of ice time a night than he is right now. And he did, and what he did was he gave you 30 points, 29 points in 74 games. Like, that's not too shabby for a bottom six forward. In fact, that's about what you want from bottom six forward. Fast forward to this year, zero goals, three assists in 24 games. He, I, I don't know what it is. He's definitely being used less. He's being used in weirder spots. He's being used in a lot of different spots. But he's kind of been in Ralph Kruger's doghouse from the beginning when he was a healthy scratch to start the season, which was pretty surprising. So... I can see why he wants to trade, and this is a guy, though, that I think you might be able to get something for. Nothing major. Maybe you only get like a third or a fourth round pick, but I do think you could actually get something rather than a trade like Bogosian where you might have to give the other team something just to take that cap hit. So I wouldn't be surprised if Rodriguez gets traded. Maybe he's a throw-in to a larger trade. I would like that to be the case, but... Doesn't Rodriguez just kind of strike you as the type of guy that the Sabres will trade to, like, Pittsburgh, and he'll go play in a top-six line, and he'll score 20 goals? Like, that's what that's what my fear is. My fear is you have players here that the Sabres could be using, that could be playing well, that are getting passed over for the same old, same old guys, and they're going to go elsewhere and produce when they could be producing here. And I think about the blue line for this, too. Like, why wouldn't Colin Miller want out right now? 
He comes from Vegas, who was a really good team that he had an important role in. Like He was a top-four defenseman on one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Now he comes here, one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference, and he can't crack the lineup? Like What must be going through his head in a situation like that? A guy who was a good defenseman, a good two-way defenseman that the analytics people really like, and he's just not being used. If I were Colin Miller, I'd probably want out of the situation. If I were a lot of players in this team, I'd probably want out of the situation. And I'm at a point where it's so frustrating that and this team has been so bad the past couple of years that the the natural reaction when a guy requests out is like good who needs you right is that the typical fan reaction we don't want you then that would happen a little bit with Ryan O'Reilly now it's like you, how can you blame anybody how can you blame absolutely anybody in fact I'm surprised I'm, I'm left here thinking man poor Jeff Skinner how he signed up for eight years of this poor uh, Jack Eichel He's got eight more years to this. Like, when is it going to get better for these guys? And I'm not going to blame anybody for requesting a trade. There, There is just no uh, positivity re- revolving around this team right now. And, again, I, I just – if I were a player, um, I would probably want to be looking for a new situation too, especially if I have no ties uh, to the area and if I have no ties to, uh, to the team going back. So I guess it would be a little different with Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner and the fact that they've been here um, – but like these these guys like Jimmy VC who just got here and um, I guess Rodriguez counts even though he's been here for a couple of years and Colin Miller and um, you know the, the, all these guys Brandon Montour who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year all these guys that are going through this for the first time it can't be uh, it can't be a very happy locker room right now now I will say that I I even though I do not agree with the job Ralph Kruger has done with his player utilization in fact I think he is dropping the ball big time on that right now. The one resounding hope I have that this thing won't completely blow up is that Kruger is such a good communicator and that Kruger seems like the type of guy that can keep that locker room together and can try to keep some sanity among those players while they're going through this. And maybe they can bounce back, but again, even when they were up high in the standings, I was not buying in as much as uh, a lot of people were. And here they sit, 41 points in 41 games. It's been a really bad stretch. And I don't know how you're supposed to have any hope that they're going to make up an eight-point gap on Philadelphia or that they're going to make up a five-point gap on Tampa Bay with three more games played. So the playoffs are looking very, very bleak right now, and I would be stunned at this point if they ended up making it. Uh, Sabres versus Oilers tonight. We got Connor McDavid in town. Always a treat. He's one of he's my favorite player to watch play hockey. I have always said that I think it was a crime for hockey. Uh, not a crime, but it was super uh, unlucky for hockey that he ended up in Edmonton. Um, this is a guy that was going to be the next superstar in the NHL, and he has been a superstar in the NHL, but not among casual sports fans. He was on that level that transcends hockey, like Crosby and Ovechkin were, where they get put on Sports Center just because they are so good, even though ESPN does not cover hockey. McDavid is that level of good, but they're just it's never it was never gonna be to the same level that it could have been in, you know, Philadelphia or New York even or New Jersey or any of these teams out east, um, or Toronto when as opposed to playing in Edmonton. They're just nobody's going to give Edmonton uh, a look. And, you know, I think of my dad for this. My dad's a big hockey fan, but he does not stay up for late games. He's not staying up till 1030 to watch Oilers and Flames on a Tuesday night. And that's really, I think, where it really sucks is that that he's out west too. It's not just that he's in a small Canadian market, but when you want to put him on national television, uh, you've got to do it most times late at night when most people on the East Coast, a lot of the hockey fans you're trying to draw, are asleep. 
and they're not watching it anymore. And you really only got the diehards like myself and others who uh, who are getting to see this guy a lot. So good good opportunity for people to see Connor McDavid. I always recommend Saber fans, uh, even if the team is going bad like it is right now, you go when they're playing the Oilers because Connor McDavid to me is going to go down in history once his career is over as the best player in hockey history. I truly believe that. It's probably crazy. I know a lot of uh, older fans out there are like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He didn't watch Gretzky play, and to be fair, I did not watch Gretzky play. So there's some. I'll admit my bias right up front with you, but. I think Connor McDavid's the best player I've ever seen play hockey. So, um, great opportunity to watch him tonight. That's a 7 p.m. puck drop. Programming note, by the way, for our uh, for our local radio station in Buffalo, WGR Sports Radio 550. Sabres GM Jason Botro will be on at 5.30. So if you're looking for some comments from the GM and uh, you're listening to this before then, um, be sure to tune in for that because uh, I know a lot of people are going to be interested to see what the GM has to say about the team as of late and why the lack of moves uh, with the roster. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and I will talk to you after Sabres and Oilers. This has been the Lockdown Sabres Podcast with Joe DiBiase, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.